Have you ever finished reading a book feeling like you needed to talk about it with someone? We get that feeling all the time. Books just have a way of demanding to be talked about. And that's exactly why we started this podcast. Welcome Welcome to to Fiction Fiction Friends, Friends, where we talk about our favorite fiction works ranging from timeless classics to contemporary literature. Each episode is split into a spoiler-free section for those who haven't read the book. And a section where we really take a deep dive into the nitty-gritty details of the story. The show is hosted by me, Jet, and me, Mariana. Join us as we explore the wonderful world of fiction together. Alright everyone, welcome to episode 1 of our third season of Fiction Friends. Mariana, welcome to season 3. Yes! <laughs> Just before we we started recording the podcast, Mariana was asking me if I had ever imagined that we would, we read would reach season 3. Season 3 and yet here, here we, we are. are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um Yeah, uh it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work. Um, yeah. We know it's been a while <laughs> since our last recording, but um, yeah. here we are now. We're going to gear up to do a lot more episodes um, moving more forward. More fun titles, before... more familiar titles. Yes, um, a lot of trending titles. Yeah, that um, would be the A bunch of classics word. also. We'll yeah. also mix in a, bit, a bunch of classics two, in two there. classics, I think. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so um, today we're going to be talking about one of the most hype books of 2021 yeah Yeah. um we've covered this author on the podcast before in a five minute review that i did which was uh, never let me go never let me go by kazuo ishiguro and now we're going to be talking about clara and the sun by kazuo ishiguro so mariana do you want to handle our spoiler free summary actually no no okay so if you do you want it like yeah. in a sentence lang? So, fine. I, I, you can give your take and then maybe I can give my take on okay, so if how he, we would describe the book. Well, basically, it's about uh, an artificial friend and her story. Right. That's it. Right. So, um, in, of course, there's more to of it. Of course, there's, there's more to it. Um, so, in this world, uh, <laughs> and then it's so... We were also talking about this just before we we started recording and how Ishiguro doesn't like to box himself in to be a genre author. Yes. He thinks that writing is... It transcends genre. Yes. Um, You don't have to box yourself in. And it's genre is merely a way for bookstores to organize to, their, yeah, to their inventory. Their, yes. But um, I, if I were to give a classification to this book, it would be... Speculative fiction, science fiction. Yes, speculative fiction, yes. So it envisions like a futuristic United States, right? Um, Yeah. You know, it would have made more sense if this was set in Japan. Like I always... Because of the tech heavy, it's very tech heavy. Right. to be in Japan. Right. Um, So the story follows, as what what Mariana mentioned, an AF or an artificial friend called Clara. Clara. Um, and as the name implies, an artificial friend is essentially um, a robot. Yeah. Who functions... Like uh, a human Siri. Right. Not also. Well, it's if, if Siri were more sophisticated... Yeah, in like, and then... Yeah. Um, it's like a... 
It's like her, remember her? Right, something yeah. like that. The idea is artificial friends are programmed um, in order to serve as companions um, to children or to teenagers and to help in their formation as they grow up, right? Yeah. Something like that. That's the only thing we're supposed to say first. Right. It's never really explicitly explained what artificial friends are for, and we're just made to come to our own conclusions about oh, what yes. they're for. But in this in this context, artificial friends are commoditized products. Like they're sold in stores. They're yeah. they're like cell phones or laptops that you can pick up. And, and you um, can choose. Right. Um you they're can like choose. mannequins, right? Right. Like if you think about it. Yeah. So they're mannequins that are functional functional. Yeah. And mannequins are functional. But but uh, yeah, I guess. But like uh <laughs> Humanly like, functional, yeah. basically like a robot. Yeah, it's a, a robot. Yeah, but they're not. They're mass produced, but they are all unique. Yeah. So they're no no two artificial friends are ever going to be alike, and like whatever gadgets we use today, they have different features and whatever and whatnot. And we can get into that later on. And in this particular instance, we're following the quote unquote life of oh, an artificial yes. friend named Clara. So the first chunk of the book it, it follows Clara's life in within the store. Yes. And then um as she awaits for a family to, to buy, buy her. her. Yes. And then you know I mean of course as you may expect a family does eventually buy her and then we follow the story of, of her, her journey and, with that family. Yeah. So that's essentially it, the book, yes. right? Um, without giving any spoilers away. So, um, what did you? I want to hear what you thought of the book because I know you know I liked it, but I yeah. wanna I wanna hear what you have to say. So I was excited to pick this up because of all the hype and feedback surrounding the author. So he was indeed exceptional. The writing was rather very enthralling, and we expect no less from. The Kazuo Ishiguro himself. This is your first Ishiguro my, book? Yes. Okay. So it circles around loneliness and how kids in mm. this book need artificial friends to combat it. So mm. it's upsetting in a way. But regardless, the author wrote it in a way that was not as miserable as it sounds. So what makes this novel compelling is that it is told in Clara's, the artificial friend's perspective. And if you've listened to some of our episodes, you'll know how much I appreciate books that are told in first person. Kazo and Mariana, handshake emoji. So we get to dive into the mind of an artificial friend who cares for humans or has developed an ability to have emotions. Right. Though not as compassionate as a human being, but the feeling is there. So I consider the genre as speculative fiction also and a feature not so distant from our reality right now. It's sci-fi? very plausible. Yeah. Like, like, given at the rate technology is progressing and AI. Now, and, and you know how they they know what we want to see. They yeah. know, you know, like, yeah. they're it's, it's, it's it, observing us. Right, yeah. right. Sci-fi, I guess, would be more apt also. But the type where it doesn't rack your brains out to understand a specific machine or a scientific concept or scenario. So this book is also reminiscent of a recent A24 film I've seen this year. I don't know if you've seen it. Which one? Starring Colin Farrell called After Yang. Okay. You should watch it. Okay. They had the it's, same it's, it's very vibe. similar to a lot of movies, right? Like we talked about how it's like her. Her, yeah. Um, but some iRobot also. Will Smith's <clears throat> iRobot is a little bit... Um, there's some influence there. But essentially any kind of artificial intelligence story... 
but after Yang, I feel would be the most, the closest All right. to it because they were also like, like robots that are bought to be friends with. I, I don't remember much of the story, but it's kind of close. Kind of like that. You should watch it. They had the same vibe, the same hopeful and sorrowful air to it. And again, this is my first Kazuo Ishiguro novel, and his writing style swept me off my feet. I could only wish I could write something as brilliant, enchanting, and gripping as this. Gripping in the sense that I wanted to finish it fast to know what was up. The first few parts of the book, I could consider it slow burn, but the book is quite short, so it, it doesn't really... It is a slow really, burn. Right? It but, is a slow burn. But it doesn't really linger also for far too long because it's... It, I found the book short. It, it is short. It is short. But you're getting a lot of story, of story of because course. of the way he writes He it. writes. Yeah. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. I somehow found found it deliberately vague, which is why I have a gazillion questions that I'm going to be reconfirming with Jep. I think, in terms of sci-fi, The Institute by Stephen King and this book is the only stretch that I am willing to go for now, for this year. It wasn't a taxing read, but at the same time, it wasn't also something that I couldn't stop gushing about. So this book isn't forgettable considering its plot, but I believe that this isn't Ishiguro's best craft. And it's all good. It only means that the things I read after are going to be far better. So it's that's quite exciting. Uh-huh. It's 3.8 on Goodreads. And if I were to rate it, I'd give it exactly the same number. There's a disputation over whether machines have the potential to feel. It makes you question, what if in time they develop this compassion and sympathy? Because in this book, we're made to think that her feelings are not simulated. Like she's she, like she's genuinely feeling these things? You think? Or, you, you know, it could also be because, you know how observant machines are? Because they keep saying that are. there's something special about Clara. Clara they keep yeah. mentioning it. But yeah, yeah, Maybe I, like I get an, it. Like, Maybe like the the AF is super observant that this is the next step of, of building machine learning empathy. and all of that. Yeah, yeah. The non-human Clara is even more human than most humans. Yes, I get I get that. I get that. I admire how she makes the sun a center of the universe as it should be, and how she's solar powered, taking nourishment from his rays. All in all, I felt like this was a hopeful take on technology, regardless of that sinister event in the middle of the book. The book had deep things to say about love, not the romantic kind. It makes us question what it is fundamentally to love. But more than that, I feel that the biggest topic here is really loneliness. It is. As there was well, not one of among many. It's one among many. Yeah. 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 Like, I think I think long like like online, they're pushing for love. Yeah. But I feel like it's loneliness. I also, uh, loneliness was a very big theme big, in this book. Yeah. yeah. There was not a single character here that was not lonely. The Except take- for Clara. Well, but... Towards the end. I will we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Well, the takeaway of this story is still a blur to me. So hopefully, this podcast answers my questions, your question if you've already read it, and I hope you could also like let us know your thoughts. Right. So, um, yeah, so this is my second Ishiguro book. Um, I love how you mentioned that it is vague and ambiguous. That's really his style. So, and as you know, that's the kind of writing that I really like. It's the kind that 
you have to work for in order for you to understand as a reader. I hate being spoon-fed things as a reader, and so that's why I really like Ishiguro. So I first read um, Never Let Me Go, which again, I did a review for on this podcast. And as a first-time Ishiguro reader, um, I was taken aback. Like I really had no expectations going into that book, um, and it ended up becoming one of my favorite reads of last year. Um, you, you I mentioned that the, on the podcast. I never you, saw the movie. Really? I never saw the movie. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And I ended up loving it so much. However, I do have some friends who have read that book. And they have told me that they didn't finish it. And I understand why, which I will talk about. Um, and if I, <laughs> I think if you didn't finish Never Let Me Go, you wouldn't finish Clara and the Sun either. Um, and uh, as, my, as Mariana and I were discussing prospects for season three, we decided on doing Clara and the Sun because it was one of the most hyped books of 2021. And because I had such a good reading experience with Never Let Me Go, I thought that I would be in for a treat. And maybe I was being a little unfair with Clara and the Sun because I expected the same kind of reading experience. I expected it to be just as good. Um, but I just have to get it out of the way at the start. It's not as good as Never Let Me Go. I didn't enjoy it as much as Never Let Me Go. But a lot of that, I think, had to do with the fact that Never Let Me Go um, had a much more gripping, thought-provoking, and just co inherently complex plot because of the morality of the situation. Um, with Never Let Me Go, I also felt like the stakes were much higher and therefore, the characters were more complex as a result. So you end up empathizing with them so much as they went through their personal struggles. I will stop talking about Never Let Me Go. Clara and the Sun is unique because the story is told from the perspective of a non-human, right? And yeah. Clara is a human-like robot who is programmed to process human feelings and emotions as accurately as possible. Um, these... Auto, uh, these um, these artificial friends, they don't have social cues, understanding of social cues the same way that human beings do. Um, but their programming teaches them to learn from their experiences, from their from observations. Their and that's... Family also. Right, right. So um, through... it's from it, their friends. Learning through experiences um, by looking at uh, what's going on around them. And while Clara's story is indeed a heartbreaking one, um, to a certain extent, there's a real challenge that Ishiguro pre presented for himself with this book. And he had the task of getting readers to em empathize with a robot. And if you think about it in that sense, it's, it's really hard to do that. Um, empathy is a powerful tool in storytelling because it allows human beings to connect with other humans, or in this case, characters, whether fictional or not. Of course, it... Um, in fiction in particular, characters aren't always humans. You know, we read books about aliens and ghosts yeah. and goblins, elves, and all of that. But um, but Clara's, Clara's case is a unique one because all throughout the book, we're constantly reminded that she isn't human. Yeah. Whereas in other books, um, like if the main character was a dragon, they're, they're, they're always personified. They're always given human-like qualities. Whereas Clara we're constantly reminded that she isn't human and that she struggles to emulate being human. Uh, you know, everything that Clara thinks, says, and does is all a result of programming and computer codes. But also, without giving too much away, all of her struggles revolve around the idea of preserving humanity in others and understanding humanity in herself. So 
that's one big theme of the book right away humanity like the, uh-huh. the idea of humanity what it means to be human and all of yeah. that which it's heavily discussed in the book um it's deeply compelling it's very philosophical it's so hard to talk about the specifics of the book's philosophy without giving too much away but i'll just leave it at saying that the book is immensely complex and compelling in its philosophy it's a real thinker that will force you to confront thoughts and concepts you don't usually think about every day um because of how heavy it is it, i don't i wouldn't recommend um being existential all the time either but that's exactly <laughs> what this book uh, forces you to be and it brings me to Ishiguro's real strength as a writer, which is his writing style. Um, before I say anything, I want to emphasize that Ishiguro's writing style is very polarizing. As I've mentioned, I have so many friends who ended up not finishing his work. Um, and if you're the type of reader who enjoys like a Colleen Hoover or uh, Taylor Jenkins Reid type of storytelling, we're in. They're kind of different, huh? Colleen no, no. And Taylor. But, um, what I'm saying is they're they're the same in the sense that there's very little subtext and everything uh, you need to know about the story is said, me- is sent yeah. to you. So um, you're spoon fed every single detail that you need to know about the story, and that's not the case with Ishiguro, right? You don't get all the details at all, um, especially up front. So his writing style requires a lot of patience and thoughtful reading. It's not the kind of book that you can just breeze through when your mind is floating elsewhere or like you're trying to multitask or whatever. It's the kind of writing that forces you to like sit down and really think about every single detail that's being written down there. Ishiguro isn't the most economical writer in the world, the word, but uh, the world, but Yes, you're correct. It is a short book. It is a relatively short book, somewhere around like almost 300 pages. So, which is like a sweet spot for most novels. Yeah, and the font's big. Right, right. Um, every single word, sentence, and paragraph is almost Hemingway esque in the way that they are so purposefully handpicked. And he's such a thoughtful writer. So, he's not very economical, but he's very thoughtful. Um, as you're reading along, you're not fed all of the details all at once. Like but that's it, why it's an easy read. It's an I easy, would say it's an easy read because of the language. Yeah, the language. The yeah, language the language. Is very Sorry, easy. the language is easy. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, but as far as like the world building and all of that, it you have you start kind of struggle with it. You have to understand. Yeah. Um, what what so many th- you you don't you don't understand what's going on necessarily yeah, yeah. right away. Um, so he drops subtle hints here and there that allow you to build a more accurate picture of what uh, the world is like uh, within the novel. And reading Ishiguro, I, 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 I tried to think of analogy, but it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. But you're not given all of the pieces right away. <laughs> and you don't know what the end picture is going to look like. So you just have to figure things out as you go. Yeah, and as you and continue to read... Yeah, like, still missing pieces right, that are he, not he, given to you. He feeds you the pieces as you go along. But you still don't know what the full picture is going to be. Yeah. So um, it's a lot like that. So it really rewards patience and persistence. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's not the kind of book where you get instant gratification. You're not going. You're going to have to work in order for you to appreciate it. Um, and this is the genius of Ishiguro. The story is told from the perspective of Clara, an artificial friend who has no understanding of social cues and is learning about humanity and human interaction as as she goes along. And like Clara, we have no idea of this world that Ishiguro has built. Like yeah. we're essentially like Clara in the state that in the sense that we're also learning as we go. Um we're learning why people are inter are 
are reacting to a certain uh, procedure in this manner or yeah. like uh, why people are struggling to deal with concepts of, as you mentioned, loneliness and stuff like that in companionship. Um, there isn't any big plot twist um, or big reveal. Well, there is kind there's there is a reveal, but I wouldn't necessarily really, call it like yeah, a... Yeah, call it like a plot twist. Yeah, no, definitely not. Not necessarily. This is something that may disappoint a lot of readers, especially those who are like, since they're so patient with their reading, they expect to be rewarded with like some resolution or something. Blowing yeah. resolution, like a Shutter Island kind of plot twist. But you're not gonna get that. You're not gonna get that with this book. So um it is a slow burn. I also wrote that here. Um I love that you mentioned it. It uh but I guess the sensation of feeling rewarded with the with the subtle hints, the methodical hints that are doled out in small doses is what makes the reading experience so uniquely Ishiguro. And did I enjoy this book? Yes, profoundly. Um, Ishiguro is one of my favorite writers, and I can't wait to read more of his work. Remains of the, Sa- Remains of the Day, I think, is one that I'm... Yeah, I thought you read that already. I have it. I, I'm looking forward to reading that because a lot of pe- people are saying it's his best work. I want to read that after this. Um, I'm going to read it in my Kindle. <laughs> right. Mariana bought the Kindle yes, recently. Yes. So. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe we might do a review on it in the future. We'll see. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe at least a five-minute um, review on it. Um, I can't wait to read more of this. this. Is this a book I can recommend to everyone, though? No, I don't think so. I don't. No, no, no. Right? This isn't the book that I would say... Anyone who Pick reads this is gonna yeah, enjoy gonna, it, or no. like, no, no, no. It's for a very specific type of reader, but if yes. you're that type of reader, you're gonna love it. Like, you're gonna thoroughly enjoy this book. I feel like bookworms might, unless if you're the type of bookworm who banks on like all romance novels. Exactly. If you're, yeah, if yeah, you're a that's bookworm, why I that mentioned is, like the Colleen Hoover, the, yeah. Taylor Jenkins read, and not not. It's not because they're women, uh, like I love, I love. <laughs> no, I don't that wasn't even that. Yeah, right. I love Taylor Jenkins Reid. She's one of my. Yeah, I love One of her. One I love of all my, of her books. Yes. Um, I'm not a big Colleen Hoover fan, but um, I, I, what I mean, what I mean by there's certain, they have a certain writing style that's just like very upfront, very yeah. direct. You get everything that you want in one. Yes. Ishiguro doesn't give you that. Um, he makes you work for it, and um. You may not be that type of reader, but if you are, then that's when it becomes rewarding. So um, it can be one of the most meaningful and fulfilling reading experiences that you could ever have, but it's for a niche market. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to say. Like, you have to be like, you need to have range. Yeah. Like, if you're that kind of reader, open to anything, then perhaps you might enjoy this. As for the age, how old do you think can read this? High school? College? I don't think like high school students. Uh, I don't wanna. I think it's okay. Yeah, I guess. It's, I think it's okay for high school students because it's very understandable. Um. Yeah. It's the language again. Yeah, as we yeah. mentioned, the language is fairly easy. It's complex themes. It's very existential. You know, it, it talks about again the humanity and lo- dealing with loneliness yeah. and existence and all of that. But I think it's okay for teenagers to um, read. Yeah. I can recommend this to teenagers only if you're like the broody, <laughs> intellectual type of. <laughs> when I was in high school, teen. I was reading Percy Jackson, yeah. Twilight, yeah. like that. <laughs> it's not gonna be that type of read. Yeah. Um, maybe college na lang. I would maybe even say college. maybe like younger adults would be able no, to like, if appreciate you recommend this the most. Catcher in the Rye to high school students, then this one it's not. 
as far off as that because the there's a meaning there's a there's a deeper meaning to the yeah. to the book like if you're a high school student and you're able to grasp that then you can grasp this yeah, i feel yeah i think it's 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 also a book that invites a lot of discussion because yeah. of how ambiguous it is so it's um, good that we picked this jet yeah um and with that um i think we can move on to the context or oh i have to give a rating yeah so for my rating i think i would give this book you gave it a 3.8 something like yeah. that maybe somewhere around like a 4.2 for me which oh, is high, which is high. Yeah. Um, but that's me being generous, just because it's Ishiguro. I really enjoy Ishiguro. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that take 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 with that what you will. Um, but that's my rating for it. Uh, maybe we can talk about the context surrounding the book. So yes. this book uh, is quite quite of an accomplished read. It's uh, it, it was long listed for the 2021 Booker Prize, the 2022 Carnegie Medal for Excellence in Fiction, um, various media outlets like the Washington Post, Time Magazine, The Guardian, Vulture.com, Vox.com, uh, all prominent media outlets dubbed this as one of the best top 10 best books of 2021. And I would have to agree. Um, it, but however, I understand that it's not for the masses. It's not for mainstream. Uh, I, I, I don't mean to sound snobby when I say that. I'm just uh, calling it like it is. It's, I don't think it's very... It's not designed for the mainstream. So I think Mariana has the rating, the Goodreads rating. 3.8. It's 3.8, yeah. So And, and Never Let Me Go is also 3.8. Right. So, which... And I think um, it's not a bad score, but I think it. A bad uh, score. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not a bad score, but I think um, with the amount of effort that Ishiguro put into it, I think it deserves at least a four. <laughs> um, both, both books, huh? Both right, books. Right. Like even I was shocked when I found out that the Goodreads rating was only three point eight. Uh-huh. Like I, I thought. I really thought it was going to be 4.1. Right, like that was... you have Time Magazine, you have The Guardian, yeah, The exactly. Washington Post. So they're like, all saying huh? it's top 3. 10. 3.8? Um, which, well, which but is... then it's not always... Like, Goodreads exactly. rating It's not always, you know, like, the rating of... It's not the... Because it's, it's, it's the, the general readership. Yeah. It's not the... Ma- it's not it's the... Not... The critics or, yeah, like, the it's not the critics, but it's just... Whatever. It's so, yeah. Those, but it's, like, everyone. It's all of us. So, it's not necessarily hated by the masses either. Yeah. It's just not as glorified so again take with that what you will um i still encourage you if again if you apply if you happen to uh fall under the kind of reader who enjoys having to work for what you read then yeah by all means go for uh clara and the sun okay this isn't like part of you know anything but um where do you usually look for top 20. Like, what for you is Kanam work? Okay, this is the real top 20. Like, where do you go? Vulture, Time, like, what for time you? Time Magazine is always the number one. The number one. I go for Time Magazine, the New York Times. New York Times, yeah. Time Magazine. And The Guardian. The Guardian. Those top three. Okay, top three. All yeah. right. Um, I always go to, I, most of my reading list, like books to be bought, I go to those media outlets yeah. for it. The year before that, they rated The Vanishing Half as the best book of 2020. And you liked it so and much. And I loved The Vanishing Half. Okay. Um, there were some books within, within those top tens that I wasn't a fan of. Okay. Um, so it's not always a hit. There are a bunch of hits and misses. But yeah. Um, why? Where do you go to source your like top tens and stuff like that? 
I honestly don't. You don't? I don't. How usually. do you source your the books that you want to read? Like book talks and stuff like that? No, no, also. Um I Like how do you decide what books you want to read? Like now, um, through Bookstagram. Instagram. No offense to Book Talk, but Bookstagram has more or the people I follow in Bookstagram have more depth. <laughs> what? Um yeah. insight? Like better like you know like not because i i sorry to say but like i've read a lot of books recommended but book tweet for me is not not good don't even think about it okay but like or maybe it's the the area where i'm in because it's really like your algorithm also so in book talk there were more books in book talk that i did not end up liking that was really just overhyped than on bookstagram in bookstagram they're more you know that's interesting. So you you go for social media, mostly, also, whereas I go for actual media. <laughs> I I before no actually even up, up to now I go to Bustle. Bustle and Goodreads. Okay. Bustle and Goodreads. Yeah. Like, if I see now oh, it's there, but yeah. before when I was a kid when I was younger I would go to Candy Magazine. Yeah, but you like understand that. how Goodreads is like. It's like Rotten Tomatoes, wherein there's like a critics yeah, like, rating, I, like but there's IMDb, also like a fans rating. Yeah, yeah it's like, so like, like, like IMDb. Yeah, um, it's everyone rating it. Yeah, um, which is okay. It's I mean there are some Goodreads, well rated Goodreads yeah. books that are really really good, but there are also a bunch it's of. It's not this also yeah. It's not always the as for me. It's not always the same, and I think you will find out on our next book because this next book is really like. Oh, it's hype. It's, it's really hype. Really hype. Like people say it's a cult. It's a oh cult. My God, has a cult following. You're a genius like that. So like I wanna know why. So oh, but, but that's for later. I also um I also re- try to read book lists that are recommended by public figures that I like. So Barack Oh Obama, yeah, that also he publishes like his top ten books all the time. Michelle Obama does that. Um, yeah. I try to do that also. Um but yeah. Um just a song, whatever gets you reading. Yeah, that, that's true. But usually yeah. me bustle yeah. to see like the first few. So um, Sony's 3,000 Pictures acquired the rights for the novel, but there's no news for production on whether it's going to be like a TV show or a movie just yet. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Um, and I guess that does it for the spoiler-free Free portion of-, of our review of Clara and the Sun. So um, we'll take a break and then we'll be right back. And that concludes the spoiler-free portion of the episode. If you do plan on reading the book, please feel free to come back and join us in the conversation in the second part of this episode. We'll be right back. And we are back in the second portion of our podcast. So before we head on over to our usual format of starting with our favorite quotes, I want to get this out of the way because this hasn't been clearly stated. Okay, so for those of you who continued listening who have not read the novel but are here for the spoilers, there's a portion in the book. It's a very important method to be discussed as the theme also circles around it, and it's called lifting. Mm. So the brief explanation of this is, a parent has a choice of getting his or her child lifted. It's an artificial gene editing. And this was not explained thoroughly in the book, which I feel was because the author wanted us to be the ones to decide what it really was, what the process was. And to have our own personal interpretation of it because Josie, the child in Clara and the son, got 
her illness as a side effect of artificial gene editing, a process known in the novel as lifting. So my own interpretation of it is that it is intended so kids are more academically progressive. So what is your understanding of the process called lifting? Yeah, so um, I know, we know, we don't, again, as you say, we don't really yeah. get an explicit definition of what being lifted means. means we're yeah. made to come to a conclusion based on certain clues that are provided to us by Clara. So um, we're first introduced to the concept of lifting um, because of Rick, the, the friend of Josie, yeah. who they have this like gathering at her house with a bunch of lifted Other children. Kids, yeah. And Rick's the only one there who's not, not lifted, lifted, right? And then that's when the topic really gets discussed. Yes. Um, and for us to like really try to learn about it. Um, and from what we can gather from that situation, Rick is some kind at some kind of academic disadvantage. Like he can't go to the same kinds of schools and he can't um like get the same kinds of jobs in the future because he's not, not lifted. lifted. Yeah, and it's like getting a booster buff. Right, and yeah, I want I wanted to talk about that. And we also know that Josie, she's sick, and she's in the condition that she is now because, because of her lifting that. procedure. Right, so we also know that Josie had a sister previously who died. Her because name is Sal, and it's implied. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, it's implied that she died because, because of, of that lifting. I hope because of the Cooter's machine. No. no. Ah, sorry, sorry. That's a different we read, thing. I read it a long time ago. Right, right. It's been a while since we've read it. But it's never really stated why Sal died. Um, ah, but yeah. it's just implied that she died because she went through the lifting process. Um, so you're right. Lifting may be some kind of like technological procedure that's designed to advance human capabilities yes. or whatever. Um, but it doesn't necessarily work for everyone and it could potentially be harmful. So some parents choose not to, not to lift, their, lift kid. their kids, as is the case with Helen, um, the the, with, the mother yes. of Rick. Um, and I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the, the vaccine because it, I saw, there's a lot of parallels with the anti-vax movement. I understand like it's not the same thing. Yes. It's like, like the vaccines, there's a lot of research behind them and it's proven safe for a vast, vast, vast majority of Just people. Just like getting lifted. Um, I don't, we don't necessarily know if it's proven to be safe <sighs> for a vast majority of people. They don't give us a. those stats. But um, there is some risk involved in getting lift. lifted. Yeah. So um, it's an interesting thought experiment because in this case, we're wondering why wouldn't Helen want her kid to get lifted and be as competitive as all these other kids? And then on yeah. the other hand, we see Sal and we see Josie who are <clears throat> suffering and sick and who could, well, they end up both dying. They both end up dying because yeah, of it. because of that. So like, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, that's the moral dilemma that Ishiguro presents in this book. And um, I, I personally love the story of Helen and Josie's mom um, in particular. I don't think they ever mentioned Josie's mom's name. I forgot. If they did, yeah, I forgot yeah, it. Yeah. I forgot it. But I want to talk about them later on. But before we get to that, um, yeah, would you, what are your thoughts on, like, would you want my kid to be lifted? Want your kid to be lifted. No, I wouldn't have my child lifted. I mean, I'll push him to be the best at what he wants to do, but I wouldn't. Like, currently, since I can't resonate 
since I can resonate more with pets more than right, children, I would never put my pet in a position that he could, could possibly lose his or her life and soul just so he or she could perform better. Because right. I don't need a perfect child. I don't need a kid that's the best in everything that they do. I want a good kid more than a perfect kid. But then it's also a matter of like quality of life thing. Like if you don't get your kid lifted, lifted does that you. mean like you put them at a disadvantage? Does that mean they're going to be struggling for the rest of their life relative to other people? <clears throat> does that mean like they won't be able to get the a job them. because of you? So like it, there's a lot of weight to the decision. And it's Would not you? as easy. I can't give an answer. I don't know. I don't have. Uh, we, so we don't have. We don't know as much about lifting because, again, there's very little that's discussed about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's very. I mean, like it's sketchy. So in that sense, like I wouldn't. But it seems like a vast majority of the kids in this world get lifted. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a normal thing. Yeah. Um. Okay. But so, maybe because they also want their kid to be the best. Right. So it's a matter of competitiveness, making sure your kid is um, is gonna be relevant, is comp- gonna stay competitive, especially Which is in like the knowing, world. but you can you have the possibility of losing the soul of your child, right, right. and your child passing. It's because in the end, risk. Josie gets lifted. She does, yeah, but and, and she dies. <laughs> yeah, so it's like transition. So the kid dies, right, right, so yeah. she could. I don't know. Yeah. It's 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 a it's it's the moral dilemma that's presented yeah. in Clara and the Sun, and um, I think that's a common. Th- oh, well, I've only read two books, but Ishiguro likes to make you think, make use of moral dilemma. But it's not the only moral dilemma in this book, and we'll get to the other one later on. But before we get to that, I want to ask you on what your thoughts about um are about with Clara and um why? What do you think of Ishiguro's decision to make Clara? the first person uh, narrator of this book. <clears throat> and how did how did he do in the execution of it? I am with him on this, telling a story through the eyes of an artificial friend because right. the way things are perceived, aside from how unique it could be reading through a robot's mind, is that everything said is more objective, less feeling. Even if said robot is currently learning empathy or whatnot, if this was said in the eyes of a human being, the cynic in us also will have doubts. Because we... Come on, like, you, you would never think um an artificial friend could develop sympathy, empathy, feelings. So we'll always think that it's impossible that an AF could ever have these feelings. So it was... It has to be programmed yeah, in such a way that they can learn it. Learn. Yeah. So... Yeah, it, for me, it was a good take that it was Clara's perspective. I feel like it would be boring if it was not. Right. But you know, one of the most overused tropes in first-person storytelling is the unreliable narrator. Yeah. yeah right? Well, this one and the next book we're going to the talk about. The next book we're going to talk about. But, but for this one in particular, it's interesting because na- Clara really is unreliable, but it's because she's not human. Yeah. And it's because she doesn't understand. But unreliable, but very factual. Right. So that's the thing. It's not the traditional kind of unreliable narrator wherein Feelings they let their personal and biases, biases. Yes. and their traumas. With Clara, it's not about biases or traumas. It's She's unreliable because she's a blank slate. 
Like she has yeah. no biases. She has no trauma. She's learning as she goes along. It's very objective. Yes. So it she has no contextual wisdom of anything or like human behavior and all of that. But there's also something so inherently human, quote unquote human, about her relationship with the son. So we know Clara <clears throat> is an AF and that AFs are, are supposedly solar powered, right? Mm-hmm. So they they enjoy their time in the sun because they feel more energetic. Like So from that, we can gather that like, okay, so they're probably solar powered. They need sunlight in order for them to run. Um, and in this sense, um, Clara ends up worshipping the sun and treats it like a god. A god. A god. It's like a religion. Your, yeah. yeah. So she saw the sun, it powered the beggar who was lying on the street, like yeah, across I from the that. store. Yes. And she thought that like the sun had like magical powers to heal or bring people back from the dead and all of that. Uh, she assumes the sun is also going to cure Josie. And like the a huge chunk of the book is dedicated to Clara trying, trying to, to rescue Josie. please the sun by fighting the the oh, yeah, the Kuting's machine the which is supposedly like a like I'm assuming it's like a construction yeah, I was also machine that. Yeah. that like emits a lot of pollution, right? So um, again, like very little is explained in the book. You really have to like figure things out on your own. Um, but it's it's I I like how that humanity aspect of Clara, how it's a lot like people's in real life and and their relationship with religion and wherein they use their experiences to justify their religious beliefs. Like, um, we're born in the Philippines, so a lot of people here just happen to be Catholic. But if we if like we had been born elsewhere, um we can't necessarily say that we would be believing the things that we believe uh, religiously and it's and in the case of clara just because in her in, in her case her experiences taught her that the sun gives her life gives her power yeah she believes in that forever she believes that 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 applies to everyone so um that's such a human aspect of her and i love that personification of that aspect of her um and yeah um and i agree with you clara was a really good choice for a narrator in this book yeah like i don't think i would have liked it as much if it was Told in the eyes of someone else. Yeah, definitely. Like, like Mar- Josie or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, I think it would be boring. I think that's part of the appeal of the book. How, like, yeah. we're, we're seeing the... Uh, and I'll get to this later, but it's essentially we're seeing humanity through the eyes of the devices that we use every yes, day. Yes, yes. Right? So, um... Well, yes, that yeah. also. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy we picked this book because it's, you know, like... Because there are some books that are just so objective. There's really nothing to discuss. But yeah. like this one, there's really like a lot to unpack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's even the next one. That's why I rated it really Four, highly. Yeah. Um. So uh. Okay. So whose character impacted you the most? Which character? Um. Whose character arc or narrative impacted no, you the most, and not why? Not impacted. Or like, but were you most interested in? Not interested. Also. Not also. What man? Um. I felt bad for. Okay. The dad. Huh. Even when I can't... He's such a minor character. Yeah. Yeah. But even when I can't recall whether it was a decision of his to also have her lifted, but I the dad... We're, we don't... Okay, so the mom and the dad are separated, but we yeah. don't know why yeah. necessarily. But we're made to assume that it had something to do, do with, with lifting. The like lifting. the dad, I, like I thought I, I thought that the, da- the dad didn't want, didn't want to get... Right. Yeah. And then 
Yeah, because he just wanted Josie as she is and the process made him lose her. It's like yeah, losing yeah, yeah. custody. It's like a death of another child. A so, literal death of another yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just so it's a it's a sad I told you so. Yeah. Yeah. Like um and then like that whole process of how Josie's mom wants to replace her with, yeah. with um Clara. I I I'll actually get to that because That was my favorite moment, huh? Really, the, the, the falls. Yeah, ah, the falls. When he's when she talk when she brings Clara with her. Yeah, to the falls and tells her her plan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, she doesn't tell her her plan. It's like, but you get you get this. You start yeah. to get an idea of what her like, plans are. Oh my are. god! Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, aside from Clara, like I love Clara, but I really somehow connected with Rick's mom, Helen, mm-hmm. um, and the reason I saw, uh, and I re- the reason I say that is because, uh, she's. You have to look at it. You have to look at both moms, but Josie's mom and Rick's mom, um, juxtaposed to one another. So, uh, with Josie's mom, we know that she is so afraid of loneliness. Like her entire story, character arc, motivation is to not be lonely. But she's so lonely. That, right, right. So we'll yeah. And the reason I say that she's not, con- she's more concerned about not being lonely than she is about Josie dying. And the reason I say that is because she she's 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 literally training someone else to replace Josie. So losing Josie isn't the problem. It's not having Josie around is the problem. So like Josie in her mind yeah. is a replaceable person. Yeah. Like you die, I'll buy a robot and replace you with it. So I won't be lonely. But you're still gonna die. And that's the mindset of Josie's mom. Like, that's where she's coming from. Whereas, if you look at Rick's mom, she Loves brings Rick. loneliness into herself by telling Clara to help Rick go to college, move away from home, find work elsewhere, pursue the life that lifted children have, and be competitive. Even if it means he'll end up leaving me and I'll be lonely. I'm okay with yeah. that because I love him and he's my child. I'm going to look out for him. Whereas Josie's mom is very selfish and like, my child is going to die. What am I going to do? Yeah. Whereas Rick's mom is like, my child is getting behind. I need him to leave so he to can make a life of his yeah. own. And the juxtaposition of those two mothers, is, I think, is one of the most compelling aspects of Clara and the son. Yes. And I... um. There's this one quote in particular that Clara says, um, and it's probably my favorite quote of the book. Uh, Until recently, I didn't think that humans could choose loneliness, that there were sometimes forces more powerful than the wish to avoid loneliness. I listed that down too. Right. So it's, it's a description of Rick's mom and how she willingly accepts loneliness if it means Rick can have a better life because she loves him. Yes. Right. So I love that entire aspect so that's of her quote Clara and the Sun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was also my quote. Yeah. Um, not too many quotable quotes in this book, but that one really got me. Remember, was it last season when we did Midnight Library? Yeah. Right? Last season. It was last season. Um, Midnight Library was a very... It was a philosophical book. 
written by a non non-fiction writer who was into philosophy, right? So it came across very preachy. It came across very well, in my opinion. Like, yeah. Um, it came across like it almost read like a non-fiction book. I think that was one of the things that we said in the review. Yeah. Like it read like a non-fiction book. I love how this book is very philosophical, but it's written by an actual artist, like an actual creative person who yeah. manages That's to fiction, you guys. That's right, fiction. Which is fiction, which is like Yeah. It's it's um he still touches upon these philosophical themes. Yes. Without it feeling like you're reading a textbook. A textbook, a self help book, yeah. <sighs> like Again, the themes of loneliness, humanity, the purpose of life and existentialism and all of that. They're See, all touched genius. Yeah. See, yeah. See, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, was a genius, yes. That's really why I really love this book. It's such a philosophical read without it feeling like And I guess that's an why it's a top read. 10 also because yeah. of all of these yeah. things. Yeah. Um. So yeah, with that, uh, maybe we can round up this podcast by like, so there are many polit- uh, philosophical themes that are discussed in the book, such as like, again, as you mentioned, loneliness, um, companionship, purpose, humanity, all of that. What's one that like you were really, I don't know, interested in, or one that you, one that you felt was like the most uh, that defined the book the most? For me, huh? Yeah. Loneliness. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Hey. I understand each one of us will always have a week or three where we feel loneliness at its strongest. But from this book, it makes you wonder why everyone was just very, very lonely. And I guess it was because at the back of their heads, they wanted success. They wanted perfection so much that it feels like they are losing the essence of what it means to be human, thus making them feel extremely, utterly lonely. Imagine having to buy an artificial friend instead of having children play outside with (laughs) other kids. Like, what happened to that? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so there's also that that whole kind of criticism. It's very familiar to, like, kids are always just in front of their computers Computers, instead of, like, going out. Yeah, so... um, And actually... It's just a theme of the book, right? If your kids are in... Because I know really smart kids also who are always on their iPads, but because they search about certain... You know how when we used to use encyclopedias and Encarta right, right, to right, search right. about stuff? Well, these kids, knowledge. these Yeah, these kids <laughs> use iPads to search about this and that, which makes them smart. But what if you're like one of those kids uh, who like to consume media that is not value-adding. So your kid's also going to turn out to be not as smart as the other kid who used the iPad for her interests that are more, I don't want to say more... Shallow or superficial or whatever, yeah. I get it. Um, Yeah, so technology, the use, and I mean, technology and the human's relationship to technology is also a big theme in this book, as we talked about. Um. And yeah, so that's that's where I think that's where I think I was I felt the most impacted when it comes to this book. That's the part that I was most interested in. Um, it's a subtle, it's a very subtle commentary on our relationship with our everyday gadgets and yes. the idea of development and technology and all of that. And this is also the part of the genius of having Clara narrate the story because, as I've talked to you, uh, as I've mentioned. The book is essentially a story of human beings that are being told from the perspective of the devices that we use every day. So yeah. um, 
imagine if your computer or your iPad or your cell phone or your tablet that could talk. Yeah, could write uh, a story about how you use them or what. I suggest like, you're on Instagram. Right? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, if they could write a story of their observations of you and your habits yeah. and your motivations and interests and all of that, what would it write? How would how would it describe you, you. and your oh my behavior? God, that's so interesting. Your personality and all that. Yeah. So I just found that angle to be really. Our, we're, we live in a world that's run by algorithms these days, and. But they're not um, as accurate as Clara, though. Mm, the algorithm. It, some, sometimes we're like, why is this on my FYP? I don't even yeah, like it. Like that. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but Clara makes her mistakes every now yeah, and then also. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Overall, like, I don't know. There's, there's as we talk, as we're talking about it, I'm I'm liking the book more and more. Yeah, yeah. Because same, it's a same. book that encourages discussion more than yeah. anything. It's not... It's not something that like you read and then you're like, oh, that was entertaining and then I'm done with it. No, it's not that kind of book. It's a book that's like you read it and then you're like, but what what did I just read? <laughs> it's it's that kind of experience. Like, yeah. um, what, what what did all of that mean? Um and if you're looking for that kind of book, I would advise you to read Clara and the Sun, but also make sure you have a friend who reads it with you. Yeah, so, so you, you can also talk about discuss. it. Yeah. <laughs> or you could listen to talk this to podcast. Us, yeah. yeah um, we could talk to us about it. But yeah, it's such a great and compelling book. I'm sure as many things that you've discussed today, I've missed a lot of insights. So um, if you listeners spotted any particular themes that or, you want to tell us, yeah, please do message us. I would love to gain more perspective on this book because I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of like this format better now that <laughs> we have a... Guide questions. Gu- yeah, instead yeah. of like just picking favorite moments. Yeah. And- yeah. Um, yeah, so if you guys are, are liking this new format, let us know. Um, we're experimenting with this new thing. So, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll still dabble into like favorite quotes and favorite moments and all of that. But like uh, we wanted to make our discussions more structured and the talking points more, uh, like you know, well rounded. So that's why we did this like whole question and answer thing. But that's it for this review of Clara and the Sun. Unless you have anything else you want to say, um, guys, thank you so much for, for listening, listening to us all. What uh, the past two seasons? Um, we're so excited for season three. We have so many things. Uh, so many books to discuss and so many friends to invite on the podcast Um, we're still in the process of uh, recording a bunch of the and reading a bunch of the books that we have to review for the podcast we haven't read the rest like we have only read these two and our five minute episodes right we've been so busy I've been so busy I'm getting married in a couple (laughs) of months (laughs) yeah so uh, we've been planning the wedding and all that so and but I promise we will be coming back with more content um, thank you guys so much for listening. Mariana, you want to say goodbye to everyone? Bye. <laughs> see you next time right. here at Fiction Friends. All right, see you guys. Bye.